This is Women's Australian Rules Football on RSN 927's digital channel Carnival. I'm Peter Holden and welcome to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne, Carnival. Also via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app. This podcast is also available on Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app and at warfradio.com. Coming up on this week's podcast, we're going to be catching up with Peel Thunder coach Steve Marker. AFL Island women's Michael Corain, and as well some news out of the AFLW. But first, let's preview the West Australian Football League Women's Grand Final. A four-goal final quarter from the Peel Thunder has seen the reigning Premiers East Fremantle eliminated from the West Australian Football League Women's Premiership race. And then there were two at West Perth this Saturday afternoon, 2.40pm local time. The Subiaco Lions versus the Peel Thunder. The Subiaco Lions, when you count their previous form as the Coastal Titans, have been in something like 13 of the last 15 grand finals. They have been a super club. They know what grand final football is all about. This is the first time ever Peel Thunder at a senior women's level will be playing off in the decider. But it doesn't mean they don't have grand final day experience. In fact, the last couple of years, the Premiers and the Rogers Cup, that's the WA under-18s, have been Peel Thunder. They know what the last day of the season is all about, including this gentleman who has coached Peel Thunder to the last two Rogers Cup premierships. He is now the senior women's coach at Peel Thunder. It's great to have on the line Stephen Markham. Steve, how are you? Yeah, good, thanks, Peter. Thanks for having me. It must be a bit of a surreal feeling going into this grand final, uh, you know, for, for Peel Thunder, the first time being there at senior level, but not a new experience for you and some of the girls through the under-18s. Yeah, no, it's um, got to pinch yourself a little bit that um, it, that we made it this year. It was uh, was always going to be a development year and obviously a really shortened season with COVID and everything else that's happened. But um, a lot of these girls have sort of prepared themselves really well through the junior ranks and, and come on a lot quicker than we... Not that we expected, we always knew they had talent, but to, to go this far so soon is, is really exciting. Let's talk about that under-18 system at Peel Thunder because it's been developing nicely for, for some time. If I'm correct, I think you've played in every under-18s uh, grand final since about 2017. In fact, your current under-18 squad has also made the grand final. Yeah, they have again this year. Yeah, we missed one about three years ago when we were really young. We wanted to... Um, just uh, trying to work out the dates now. In um, 2016, um, with, um, we had Sabrina Duffy and Kate Bartlett and Courtney Hodder. Um, obviously, have uh, all gone on to AFLW. Um, the following year, we were really young and we got a lot of the girls that all played in the grand final. We split with um, Courtney Rowley and um, uh, there's quite a few of them coming through now. So we weren't really young. We only made the prelim that year, but we were having, uh, what, 15-year-old girls playing in, in the under-18s and then obviously won the last two years. And a lot of them have made the leap into a senior footy this year. 
And, of course, this year has been very interesting, to say the least. No doubt, particularly yep. the younger side, they're all energetic. They're up and about come March, ready for a season to begin. And then, as we know, COVID-19 happens. The AFLW gets cancelled. The season gets paused. What was it like trying to, I guess, manage them mentally and physically during that weird two- to three-month window until you could come back, at least training around like June, early July, and then finally a season happening? Yeah, it was a challenge, um, no doubt. I, I suppose every footballer club in Australia has been through it. Um, the girls were really good by it. Um, we, we kept in close contact, um, obviously, through um, social media platforms and and on the phone. Um, then when it opened up a little bit, we were able to do some um, team bonding stuff um, in real small groups. Um, so we kept the, kept the connection pretty close. Um, and then when we were allowed to go back to training, they all bought in and... Um, everyone stayed true to what we were, we were trying to do, and and um, we got a good result out of it. They, they, I think it actually helped us a little bit to to bond a little bit closer in those smaller groups. Um, so yeah, it's worked well. Um, wouldn't want to go through it again, of course, but it was um, we we made the best of what we could at the time. And how much has it been to try and change the structure to the season that you've had planned in mind? Instead of running through a traditional format, everyone would play each other two or three times, such as the smaller WAFLW competition, knowing that you'd only play each other once. So it's essentially you're doing a six-game run-through. And as you said, you've got a developing side. So instead of allowing a few games to warm into it, it's go from round one. Yeah, it was. And uh, obviously, in an ideal scenario, with playing each other a few times, we would have probably developed a couple more players and, and tried a few more players at the level. Um, luckily, we've been competitive right from the start, so our squad's been pretty settled all the way through. So I think we've only used 27 players throughout the, the whole season. Admittedly, it's only six games, so they're pretty settled and, and, and come through well. Obviously, I would have liked to get some more to blood a few more, but it just... Um, the opportunity wasn't there. So for being a, well, well, I was planning on being a developed year and trying to get them um, all to that high level. Um, yeah, it changed pretty quickly once we started to win a few games and thought, well, finals isn't out of reach. So um, we, we changed our, our mindset pretty quickly. The one interesting aspect of it is, um, as much as it's a shortened season, the coaches in charge, even though there's some new coaches to the ranks, are familiar with their sides. For example, yourself, as we mentioned earlier, coached them through their under-18s, taken to a couple of premierships. Amy Laval has taken over Subiaco this year, who will be your opponent on the weekend. But, of course, she has played for quite a number of years for Coastal Titans and Subiaco. East Romano, you beat on the weekend. Obviously, Webbo's been there for, for years in charge. So, in a way, it's a case of you could get afford to get off to that quick start because you already knew what your players were capable of. Yeah, we got I, and I, I, Amy knows her side really well, as does Webbo, and obviously I, I know my side really well from what's come through, and I've, I've been involved with the, the seniors for a long time as well as an assistant coach. So had a good understanding of where I thought we were at. Um, until you get in, you never know. And also helps when you've been an assistant for a long time. Obviously, Subi have some... Um, young upcoming stars in Kia Buckley and Maggie McLaughlin and um, Abby Dowrick, who have obviously been opponents for us in the Rogers Cup through the through the journey. So, it's, yeah, it's, it, that helps that you know, you've got some sort of knowledge of what's what's out there. Looking back at the two games that you played against so far uh, against Subiaco. Nine points the margin the first time around that you played them. I think that was back in round five. And then you met them again in the uh, major semi-final where they won straight through to the grand final. Only six points the difference. 
okay, it was a loss, but you have to be happy with that. That Not only have you closed the margin, you've closed it in a more intense game in a semi-final. Yeah, I, and that's the development of the team as well, I think, more than anything. Both games were in terrible conditions. It was a really stormy and, and a howling wind going one way in, in both games. Um, Subi, to their credit, adapted to the conditions a little bit better than us and, and got the win. Um, but we felt that we were right in at three-quarter time. We're five points down coming home with what we was hoping the win would hold up and that, that swung around. Um, that Subi just shut the game down really well and that's the, the quality unit they are. So we, we took a lot of confidence out of that knowing that we did a lot right. We just didn't take our opportunities late and um, hopefully on the weekend we can um, take those opportunities when they present. What a way to come into the grand final. You were eight points down at three-quarter time against East Fremantle. Then you shut the gate on them. They didn't score in the final quarter. You put on four goals, one, including two goals from a 15-year-old in Ella Roberts. Yeah, she's something special. Um, yeah, we three-quarter time, we, were, we thought we'd done enough. We were, I wasn't happy that we conceded a goal after the siren, but... Um, the girls had shut the game down pretty well in the third quarter for us and, and gave us the opportunity. And um, that, that was a message of three-quarter time. We're in that same situation against Subi the week before and we weren't able to finish, that we needed to finish. And um, Kira Phillips stood up and, and got us um, the first two goals to, to give us a lead. And then um, Ella Roberts um, announced to herself on a big stage and, and finished it off for us. It always seems to be the case that the, the good youngsters coming through seem to step up at the crucial moments. I think last year, everyone uh, remembers Roxy Rue standing up in the grand final uh, for East Fremantle. Ella Roberts making her name on the big stage. And I guess the great thing, uh, from a selfish point of view, at least for Peel Thunder, until AFLW comes along, she's still got, what, a good two, three years still left with the Thunder. Yeah, well, she doesn't turn 16 till December, so... Technically, I think it's uh, three years that we we get to, to watch her, or at least two years to, to watch her grow and develop and get better. And the sky's the limit for her. So let's let's hope she stays fit and healthy for that time and, and plays some quality football. And hopefully, she puts a good, a good, another show on on the weekend for us. Also, you've got plenty of experienced heads around chipping in for at least half the score. You've got Kira Phillips kicking three goals, Kate Bartler with AFLW experience uh, kicking two goals as well. Plus, amongst the best, Cassie Davidson. Yeah, Cassie was really good. We um, we gave her a role. I thought she did a really good job uh, on Gabby Sutherland and um, they moved her up on the ball. So we had another plan up there. And yeah, Cassie was really important to us on the weekend. It was good to have her back playing good footy. One name that people will be keeping an eye out for to see if she makes a statement in the uh, grand final is... Um Sarah, I hope I pronounced correct, Varir. Sarah Varir, she's been uh, nominated for the NAB Draft Combine to uh, take place in October. Uh, Peel's sole representative there. And, of course, everyone will be keeping an eye on her to see how she performs, to see if perhaps on October 6th she gets taken by either the Eagles or the Dockers. Yeah, Sarah Varir is uh, probably one of the most skillful players I've ever coached uh, with her foot skills and a uh, very good decision make with the ball and very handy to our side. Um, yeah, let's hope that we see the best of her on, on grand final day. Um, Copped a bit of a knock on the weekend, so we're just working through that at the moment. So um, hopefully she's all good to, to go. We'll we'll see how that come pans out later in the week. 
Looking at your opponent, Subiaco, they've got a, a couple of experienced heads in there as well. Uh, needless to say, of Hayley Miller and uh, the years that she's had uh, playing at WA State Football and, of course, uh, in the uh, AFLW. Uh, also going through their side, uh, Tia Haynes, as we know, has been a dominant force for back in the old Coastal Titans days as well. Amy Spitt as well. How do you counteract a side that has been there for you know a long time? They've been in you know, countless grand finals over the last decade and a half as Subiaco, then formerly Coastal Titans. How do you try and quell that experience on the big day? Yeah, it's it's pretty daunting when you start looking at some of those names, isn't it? There's, there's some real quality in there, a quality outfit. And then you throw that experience of those young ones in Dowrick and Buckley and uh, McLaughlin that are coming through. So... Um, Charlie Thomas on the wing is, is another one that is really damaging. So we obviously will have plans for, for some of them, but we'll just come back to what we've done in the last couple of games against them and we'll play our, our style of footy and, and our team game that we've been playing. And um, obviously we've got names I've got to worry about. So um, if we stay true to what we've been doing and, and play our style of footy, I think we'll be in it really deep and we've just got to take the opportunities, which unfortunately the last two times against them we haven't taken, but we'll, we'll be better for that and we'll be pretty confident on the day that we can perform. In your own words, how will you describe the Pill Thunder brand of football? Um, good question. <laughs> uh, we, 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 we've made a, we've tried to make the trademark that we're going to be fierce with our pressure and attack on the footy and at the ball carrier. Um, and then we we like to open it up when we get the opportunity and we can gain momentum and, and play exciting, skillful footy. It's going to be an exciting day for the Pill Thunder family. Again, you've got the under-18s kicking off the day, then followed up in the afternoon with the big one. You're taking on the uh, Subiaco Lions. What does this mean for the Peel Thunder Football Club, which is a fairly young club in the context of the history of the West Australian Football League when we include men's and going back over the many years? What will this mean to take home the Senior Women's Premiership? Oh, it'll be unbelievable. Peel's been pretty rich in female footy um, for a long time, and, and hence the... Uh, the, the strength of our Rogers Cup side, but to bring this back to the back to the to the Peel region um, would, would be fantastic. We've been out with a lot of the community clubs at times this year, and um, the response the girls always get has been fantastic. But as a club, like I say, we're a pretty new club um, across the whole waffle. But to show that we can compete at the highest level and not only compete but win it, we would really make a statement I think for, for the competition so we're, we're, we're super excited that we've one we've made it but to be able to turn the, the senior side around from where we were last year to playing really competitive footy so we'll, we'll give it a, a red hot go and hopefully um, we get a bit of luck and it goes our way well, Steve, thanks very much for joining us here on the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. And we wish you and the Thunder all the very best as this Saturday you take on the Subiaco Lions in the Australian Football League Women's Grand Final. Thank you, Peter. Appreciate it. Now, we were hoping to have Subiaco Lions coach Amy Lavelle on the program this weekend to preview the Grand Final. Unfortunately, due to a timing mix-up at our end, we missed our window opportunity. But here's a quick little snippet from our interview with Amy three months ago when she first landed the Subiaco Lions head coach role and we asked her how would it feel in her debut season if she was to have the title next to her name, Subiaco Lions Premiership Coach. Definitely a nice title to have next to my name but um, definitely not something that I'm striving for this year. Um, really just striving for um, the development of the players and, and them enjoying 
the fact that they have the opportunity to play this year and, and the more we can develop our skills and enjoy ourselves and increase their confidence, then if it happens, that's fantastic. Um, but it's it's always a goal, but it's not it's not the ultimate goal that I'm striving for this year. Amy Lavelle, just one win away from being able to say she's a premiership coach in her debut year as head coach at the Subiaco Lions. What a story that would be. Here's Hayley Miller, captain of the Subiaco Lions, speaking to the press yesterday. This short little snippet courtesy of the West Australian Football League Facebook page. There's been a couple of years where we probably haven't uh, performed to, to what we wanted to, so it was really nice to obviously win that pre-league final a couple of weeks ago and, and hook our spot in the in the grand final early. Um, and then we've had a really good couple of weeks on the, on the track, which will continue this week and into the weekend. This Oval's amazing in terms of you know the facilities they've got here and, and the ground itself is, is top-notch. I think it's one of the best, um, in my opinion, one of the best actual grounds that we've got in Western Australia. So to have the grand final here is just perfect. Now, the West Australian Football League Women's Grand Final will be shown live Saturday afternoon on Channel 7 in WA. When you're watching, these are three players you need to keep an eye on because they've also been invited to the NAB AFLW Draft Combine. So they could be pulling on a Dockers or Eagles jumper next year. For Subiaco, they are Abby Dowrick and Maggie McLaughlin. And for Peel Thunder, keep an eye on Sarah Ferrier. We'll have more of the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival coming up after this. Been playing for a while Sweet kicks Cos footy makes you smile Sweet kicks football If you're getting ready for the trials Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football Not always hearing that sweet sound when you kick the ball? Need to develop your footwork or explosive speed? Want to take the next step in your footy career? Then you need Sweet Kicks. More info on our Facebook page or go to our website, sweetkicksfootballacademy.com.au Gotta go the extra mile Sweet Kicks Football on RSN 927's digital radio channel in Melbourne Carnival via the RSN Racing and Sport app and rsn.net.au. You're listening to the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. Over the last few weeks, we've been keeping tabs of various countries around the world that have uh, women's Aussie rules teams playing at the grassroots level to see are they starting to come back to some form of training or competition due to the restrictions around COVID-19. We now head over to Ireland where we haven't checked in for at least half a year. It's crazy to think that a couple of months ago that the Irish Banshees were due to be in Queensland defending their title for the International Cup. That, of course, has been, at least for the moment, postponed to next year. Have they had any semblance of a local competition over the last few months? Can any get up and running? Well, let's find out with the man that runs AFL Island Women's. It's great to have back on the line Michael Curran. Michael, how are you? Hiya, Pete. How's it going? Uh, that's the longest we've ever gone without having a chat about footy. Uh, so very strange to have had such a break, but great to catch up with you again. Indeed. Normally we speak every two weeks, and in a normal circumstance for 2020, we would have been talking through the AFL Island Women's Premiership. We would have been talking about the AFL European Championships. We would have been talking about the Euro Cup. We would have been talking about 
the Irish Banshees' defence of the International Cup title. I guess if there's a, a bit of a rainbow at the end of the storm, you're technically champions for another year. Yeah, I think it's probably one of the only rainbows. But yeah, you're right. Irish Banshees remain champions for at least another year, hopefully not longer. But um, yeah, yeah, of all the years, I suppose there was so much on this year and it was literally one cancellation after the other. So um, really, I suppose, demoralizing in some extent. But in the bigger picture, of course, it, it has to be done. But yeah, we had Champions League as well thrown into that mix with the second scheduled um, Universities International, which was due to take place in London. Um, Euro Cup, as you said, everything gone. Um, and of course, the big one, which probably had the most momentum as we've been planning towards it since 2017, Lively, we were coming to the end of a three-year cycle, would have been IC. And with the excitement of heading to a new location up in uh, Maruchador in Queensland as well. So all put on hold uh, for another year, hopefully. I think we'll be glad to get going again um, in 2021 and hopefully some, if not all, of those competitions can get rescheduled and uh, we can look forward to partaking in them again. Can you give us a bit of an insight to what's happened over the last few months with lockdown and a return to sport in any fashion in Ireland? Because obviously when the AFLW season uh, had been cancelled, finished early after the first week of an early brought-on finals, a number of the Irish women uh, had sprinted to get back home because Ireland had actually gone into lockdown a little earlier than Australia had. What had been the result after that March-April window of trying to come back to sport in Ireland? So basically, um, it feels like so long ago at this stage, but I think we had an initial lockdown there of about eight weeks, um, possibly towards 10 of those severe restrictions where pretty much everything was stopped, all sports across the board, uh, soccer, rugby, GA, everything. Um, gradually then after that, there was a there was a return to play policy where teams were allowed to, to go back training in pods and in small groups, uh, non-contact for a certain amount of time. And then over the last eight weeks or so, there has been a return to action for the GA, but the focus has been on the club scene. So there, a, a very interesting thing has come about that possibly will have to be looked at going forward because in many ways it's been a huge success, but there was a huge focus on the GA club. So people played with their community team, uh, trained with the community team. There was a ban on inter-county training, um, which only lifted yesterday. So um, inter-county teams have only started training yesterday. So what we've seen is um, a return to club action. Initially, there was 200 people allowed at a game. Um, that didn't last too long. That changed to behind closed doors very quickly as well, uh, which was um, a bit unusual. But we also see then the, the rise of the streaming of club games here, which wouldn't have been that prevalent previously. So again, if there, if there was a, a, a chink of light at the end of the, the rainbow, it would have been that uh, there was a lot more focus on the club game. A lot more games were seen due to great efforts by clubs and communities to stream matches. Um, and the club championships are just about coming to an end last weekend, this weekend. In fact, a lot of our own Aussie girls have been involved with their teams and have been winning some competitions. We're going to do some posts about that. But literally, um, as the county teams are about to come back to action this week and the, the county championships and the All-Irelands have been given the go-ahead, we've seen a jump in cases here over the last two weeks. And today, I haven't seen the full details because it's just been announced, but there's a new five-level uh, rest restriction living with COVID plan put in place and one of the places under the most pressure at the moment is Dublin, which has been put on a higher level than the rest of the country um, due to a, a big number of cases there consistently over the last fortnight. So 
just about when things are about to get back to normal, there's there's another little glitch. But I think the main thing is that sport has returned. There's been a big focus on playing with your community, playing with your friends, playing with your local club team. That's been a huge success. And now we're looking forward to getting some spectators back to games. I think um, in areas that on the lowest level of restrictions, you can now have up to 500 players or spectators on a match going forward. And in the big stadiums, possibly up to 5,000. So hopefully some people will get to see some sports over the next couple of months. But yeah, very much a bit like yourselves there. It's week to week. Um, everyone's keeping a tight eye on the situation. This thing hasn't gone away, but really now it's a case of just seeing how we can get on with life. And hopefully we're not going back to any blanket lockdowns like we did previously. The moving GAA calendar has affected Aussie rules at all levels, your level and at the top level. We were speaking uh, a few weeks ago to Ashling McCarthy, who, is, uh, me, uh, who mentioned that with her move to the West Coast Eagles, that she'll be permitted to start pre-season late uh, because of the uh, inter-county championship uh, going to a later date and uh, having to play football through October, November. Um, and that's not including if there'll be a quarantine or not if she uh, does come to Australia, like for all the other Irish women, that's also probably made it difficult for you with AFL Ireland's women on, on two counts. One, obviously, being a contact sport. And in some um, countries, we know that uh, contact sport uh, comes back at a later stage of their return to some type of normality. But also, as well, you normally try to find a gap around that GAA calendar for people to take part in the smaller AFL Ireland's women's tournaments. And that's probably been extremely difficult for you to even consider trying to get off the ground this year. Very much so, yeah. Firstly, just uh, I suppose just to highlight, it's great to see Ash transferring clubs and becoming the first Irish player to transfer from one club to the other. And best of luck to her at West Coast Eagles, where she joined even Grace Kelly. I'm looking forward to seeing how the three of those girls link up together. But yeah, 100%, normally we, we'd have a set calendar where we could see when GA matches are on. We'd be able to squeeze in every other weekend. It's normally about once a month and run our comps off. Um, what we had decided, given that the the way the GA had gone and the focus on club and staying local, that we weren't going to have any national competitions here until around this time um, when the inter-county returned, even though theoretically there would be a clash of fixtures. But it was more to do with movement of players that we'd be far more comfortable having our girls travelling because we'd have teams from all over Ireland and possibly Northern Ireland crossing into different jurisdictions even. So we didn't really want that to happen too early. Uh, so we were kind of um, earmarking around um, the end of September, start of October for that. But now with the recent developments, we would be unsure really um, week to week what we can do here. There is um, a festival of footy. I don't know if you've seen that from AFL Europe. It's a great concept scheduled for the September 26th where in light of football being generally cancelled for so long across the continent, um, Ryan and the team at AFL Europe have come up with this great concept where there'll be a one-day festival of footy where there's likely to be competitions across anything up to 20, 25 countries on the same day with, with everybody feeding into kind of a, a stream and feeding into one team in the tournament and um, that sort of thing. So that is September 26th, which is now just a week and a half away. We're still hoping we can get a day of footy off on Saturday week. Um, it's not 100% guaranteed yet, especially with the new changes that have come into effect from, from Dublin today with maybe four of our clubs based in Dublin so we probably will have very limited footy um, from now on to be perfectly honest our plan would have been to play a, a few blitzes across the October, November, December we might necessarily have had a, a women's premiership this year um, but at the moment now 
we'll try and get out and play a festival of footy for AFL Europe on Saturday the 26th and after that we'll just keep an eye on it for a few weeks but really I think that a lot of the girls we have a lot of frontline workers teachers nurses healthcare workers um, so we're keen to do what's right for all our players and not in any hurry just to get back playing for the sake of it even though people have missed the game terribly um, but we'll, we'll play it by year and hopefully we get out for a kick with, with some few teams it might be as big an event as we would have liked on Saturday week but um, we'll know more about that over the next few days certainly must be frustrating because there was some momentum really building behind AFL Island women's, including a new side uh, that was announced during the middle of the year that the North Munster Kangaroos were going to enter the competition. Yeah, for sure. Uh, with North Munster Kangaroos, we actually had a few new teams um, which were popping up around the country. We had a new team from Cavan um, as well, which is Ashton Sheridan's county, yet to be named, but there was a group of girls from there that were keen to play. We had a new team from Wicklow, the West Wicklow Wolves, and potentially a new team from the southeast, Waterford and Wexford. So, look, at if anything else, um, the interest is still there. Um, people are still keen to play. Um, and if we could get a couple of those new teams out maybe in a couple of weeks, that would be a bonus in itself. Uh, obviously, all the Irish girls re-signing and, and signing on for AFLW 2021 has kept um, the sport in the public eye here and has kept the interest across the board. So, yeah, on a positive note, through the lockdown, we've had plenty of inquiries Lots of new girls wanting to, to give it a crack and a few new teams potentially popping up. So um, we might see those, a couple of those out the week after next. And if not, we should definitely look forward to an interesting Super 7 Development League in the new year, hopefully. Now, this is all dependent upon uh, what the border restrictions are like here in Australia, let alone Ireland. As you said, um, some restrictions were coming back into place in Dublin. But you must have been thrilled that 15 of uh, the 18 from last year have signed on to play in the AFLW. And that number technically went up one when you throw in a newbie in Lauren McGee from Dublin. For sure, PJ. I suppose um, with all the restrictions and COVID and everything, there was probably um, a fear that the numbers would drop a certain amount. So to see that amount of the girls re-signed is absolutely fantastic. Um, obviously, it's a little disappointing for the couple of girls that aren't going back for various reasons, but absolutely huge to see 15 of the girls returning and a big boost for the season that's in it, I suppose, to see a new signing of Dublin's Lauren McGee by, by Melbourne. And I suppose, especially from our point of view, to, to see that Lauren took part in the AFL Europe Combine here last October, and that's where she was and scouted. So to see that come to a signing as well, um, it's fantastic and obviously huge for Melbourne now to have three Dublin girls out there, um, really top-class players, and, and Lauren will sit right in there, um, without a doubt, playing with uh, Goldie, Sinead Goldwick and Eve McAvoy at Melbourne. But yeah, fantastic to see all the girls back. They're, I've been chatting with a few of them and I've been training with a few of them over the last few weeks, working with some of the clubs here, and there's definitely um, a little bit of anxiousness as to how the whole thing is going to work um, with visas and flights and quarantines and there's different visa exemptions coming through and it's looking like there's only certain windows that players are going to be allowed to fly into Australia and stuff like that. So yeah, there's a lot of moving parts in terms of the logistics. It's definitely not as straightforward as any other season, but uh, in the main part, it's great to see the, the girls going back. Hopefully all of the girls that are signed make it over there. There's, there's obviously still a lot that can happen between now and then, but um, it's incredible to see that amount of girls listed play again for next season yeah and who knows there may even be another player or two added over the next couple of months with the draft still to come as well so we might not be done yet but even if we are that's a fantastic number and a fantastic representation
What kind of insight can you give us into uh, Lauren McGee? Because if I'm correct, uh, she's represented uh, Dublin in the inter-county and won three All-Ireland Senior Ladies Football Championships. If I'm correct, she's a midfielder as well? Yeah, for sure. Um, Lauren has won three in a row with that with that brilliant Dublin team. Um, she came to our combine in UCD last year, as I said, and, and probably instantly caught the eye of, of a number of the scouts, uh, most particularly in Melbourne. A real tough nut, hard player, aggressive at the ball. I think that's one of her strong features, and that's what really impressed um, the Demons there. Um, obviously, she was very, um, very talented athlete and impressed through the, the various testing and stuff as well. But it was that um, aggression at the ball um, in, in gameplay and game sim that really caught the eyes. And if you look back at any of Dublin's wins over the last couple of years, you see her playing an, an integral part in that. So, yeah, she's going to bring a, a bit of edge and a bit of physicality um, with her to, to the Demons and it's going to be exciting to see how she goes there because she's a great athlete and she's tough as and are following the footsteps of her dad Johnny McGee who, is, who plays for the, the Dublin men's senior team back in the day as well so um, absolutely looking forward to see how Lauren goes out. And finally, um, is there anything we can look forward to at the moment in 2021? It's a bit surreal to say it because Technically, the AFL International Cup is meant to happen. The original postponement was for a year, but as we know, due to this um, COVID virus and uh, the, the different hotspots around the world that keep popping up every now and again, um, it's it seems weird that we're going into a year that's very hard to predict, unlike last time we were talking um, earlier in this year, we were looking so, so much for, uh, to a full-packed year. Oh, for sure. Like uh, it is, and there's th- that level of uncertainty is still there. So you'd like to think that all of these competitions will run, all of the ones that have been postponed on. But I don't think there can be any certainty at this stage, and and that makes it all the trickier when you're trying to plan for such a, a massive event like IC. But hopefully, the AFL can make calls. I suppose towards the end of this year, maybe November, December, when when the season is done and dusted, and they might look at a fixture for next year. But yeah. I suppose we really can't be certain of anything that's happened. Um, we've had some AFL Europe meetings over the last few weeks as well, and we're looking at a Champions League, a Euro Cup, a Fitzpatrick Cup, and can we say any of them will go, go ahead with any certainty on any given date? I don't think we can, but all we can do is plan for it and, and hope for the best. Uh, there'll probably be decisions on booking flights and booking accommodations for tournaments made a lot, lot closer to the date of the event now than would have previously been the case because obviously, um, until very close to any event. I think we've got to plan a calendar and we've got to put dates on events and we've got to have something to aim for, for sure, at this side of the world. And we hope the AFL will do that um, with Queensland because there's certainly a huge amount of people looking forward to get over there. But um, we can put stuff in the diary and, and hope for the best, I think. But in reality, for the foreseeable future and probably for the 2021 season, we're going to just be playing it by ear and taking each competition as it comes and making calls on it a bit closer to each provisional date as to whether or not teams go ahead and book accommodation and flights or not. Um, so, yeah, it's a very strange situation. So much to look forward to, but yes, you can't get too excited in that there's no certainty as to what might actually go ahead at this stage, you know? Well, Michael, thank you very much for joining us here on the Women's Strangers Football Podcast on RSN Carnival. We look forward to speaking to you again, most likely in 2021. Fingers crossed when we speak to you again, we do have AFLW back and 16 Irish women running around. But who knows in this crazy world? For sure, Peter. Look forward to it and keep safe. And regards to everybody listening there in Melbourne. 
and let's all get through this together. Don't go anywhere. We've got AFLW news and a scoreboard check from around the Women's State Leagues right after this on RACN Carnival. We are the Australian Literacy and Numeracy Foundation, striving to empower our most marginalised communities through literacy and education. Literacy is having a voice. Literacy is opportunity. Literacy is dreaming big. Literacy is freedom. Today, you can help end inequality and give every child access to our life-changing and proven literacy programs. Your support is vital. Donate now at alnf.org. On RSN Carnival, digital radio in Melbourne via rsn.net.au and the RSN Racing and Sport app or wherever you get your podcasts, this is the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks for your company. It's time to check in now with the latest women's footy news. Just two brief AFLW news items for this week. Some good news coming out of Carlton where they've signed a new assistant coach and she is the former assistant coach at North Melbourne and a former playing assistant coach with Essendon in the VFLW. 2012 Diamond Creek Premiership footballer Lauren Moorcroft. Half has been um, great in this period of just starting off and um, I've always probably admired from afar how he goes about it, being really relationship-based as well. Um, so I'm excited to experience another head coach. Um, and then some of the young talent, I guess, with Maddie and Lucy and Grace. I'm really excited for the midfield mix there, as well as the older girls that I've got connections with, like we said, with Katie Loins and Elle Downey and Lauren Bazali. So, um, yeah, those that mix of midfield is going to be really exciting and um, hopefully I can bring something to the table too to take the next step with us. That audio courtesy of the Carlton Football Club website and we should mention Lauren will be looking after Carlton's midfield for the 2021 season. And talking about the 2021 AFLW season, will we be in hubs? Will we be delayed? As we know, the AFL put out a plan that they were looking for pre-season to begin in early November and a season to kick off in early February. Well, guess what? The feelers are being put out there of... AFLW players are happy to play in a hub situation. Of course, the trick being is, unlike their male counterparts, they are not full-timers. They are part-timers. According to the Age article by Daniel Cherney, the AFL Players Association have indicated that players will be sent surveys asking them for feedback around what the 2021 season could or should look like, with sources uh, confirming that they'll be asked if players are willing to head into a hub, uh, how much notice they would need to do so to head into that hub situation, how to affect their day-to-day lives, particularly with work and study, and whether they'd prefer for the season to be delayed instead of having to go into a hub. Again, that article at theage.com.au. And that's your latest women's footy news. Time for a scoreboard check from the Women's State Leagues from across Australia. And let's begin over in WA, where our interviews earlier kind of gave away the result. In the preliminary final, Pill Thunder 9-1-55 defeated the reigning Premier's East Fremantle 5-8-38. That sets up the grand final of the Subiaco Lions versus Peel Thunder this Saturday at West Perth's footy ground. Let's go across to Tasmania and the State League Women's competition there, where they played round nine of a 12 
wild-round season over the weekend. Glenorchy 11-16-82 defeated Tigers, just the one goal. Clarence 6-4-40 defeated North Launceston 3-1-19. Launceston with the bye. To round 10 action this coming Saturday, 4pm at Twin Ovals. Tigers versus Clarence. Glenorchy, North Launceston and Launceston all having the bye. Now across to the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. They're in New South Wales. They played the final round of the home and away season, just a nine-round season, obviously, due to COVID-19. Bennett Hills Demons 3-2-20 went down to Manly Warringah Wolves 9-9-63. Manly Warringah finished as the minor premiers for the 2020 season. North Shore Bombers 4-7-31 defeated Sydney University 2-6-18. Macquarie University 4-4-28 defeated the UNSW Eastern Suburbs Bulldogs 2-1-13. Southern Power 5-6-36 defeated Inner West Magpies 4-3-27. And the East Coast Eagles 15-13-103 thumped the UTS Bats 2-1-13. So to a top five fixture for the finals in the AFL Sydney Women's Premier Division. And... We have Manly Waringa getting the week off, going straight through to the semi-finals next week. We have as the qualifying final for the right to meet Manly Waringa on Saturday, 1pm at Henson Park, East Coast Eagles versus Southern Power. Then the following day, Sunday, 1.20pm, again at Henson Park, the elimination final between the North Shore Bombers and the Inner West Magpies, the winner to meet the loser of East Coast versus Southern Power. Now across to the Queensland Australian Football League women's competition. They had the first week of finals over the weekend and Maruchidor 10-9-69 defeated the UQ Red Lions 2-4-16 and Yoronga South Brisbane in a close one against Cooperoo. The Devils 8-10-58 defeating the Kings 7-7-49. That sets up week two of the finals with Bond University versus Yoronga South Brisbane and Coolangatta Tweed hosting Maruchidor. Both games 2pm this Saturday the 19th of September. Under their finals format, there is no preliminary final. The winner of those two semi-finals will meet the following week in the grand final. And across to South Australia, yes, we've already had the Sample Women's Premiership decided when North Adelaide beat South Adelaide a couple of weeks ago, but we had an All-Stars match played uh, on the Friday night to highlight some of the best footballers in South Australia, particularly those that are throwing their names in for the draft on October 6th, and some they'll be taking part in the draft combine coming up soon. It was Team Marinoff versus Team Hatchard, and despite trailing by two goals at quarter time, Team Marinoff turned the tables and would end up winning 6-1 37 to 3826 over Team Hatcher. Best players for Team Marinoff, Jessica Macalino, Alex Ballard, Brooklyn Craft, Nicole Campbell, and Emma Smith. Better players for Team Hatchard, Amber Ward, Xenia uh, Kavoris, Zoe Prouse, Matilda Zander, and Tamsin Morris. And that's your scoreboard check from around the Women's State Leagues. And that concludes the Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast on RSN 927's digital radio channel Carnival for yet another week. Don't forget this program airs on Carnival every Wednesday, 6pm Australian Eastern Standard Time. It is also available as a podcast by going to Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Deezer, the iHeartRadio website and app and WARFradio.com. We just Google search Women's Australian Rules Football Podcast. And don't forget to follow us on social media. 
Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Just search for WARF Radio. I'm Peter Holden. Thanks so much for your company. and look forward to speaking to you again next week.